Hi, everybody. It's Peter Bassler with another episode of ESEC Lending Insights with my favorite crew. We've got Brooke up in Vermont, and we've got Jim Maroney in Dartmouth, Mass. And we're here to give an update on the market. But before we do that, I'm pretty excited because I feel like life is getting back to normal. Like people are getting vaccinated. I had COVID already, so I'm in good shape. But people are getting vaccinated. Things are opening up. So it feels pretty good. What about you guys? What's going on there, Brooke? Well, it's still winter up here. There's still a decent amount of snow, although this week we're having some warmer weather days. So with the longer days, more sunlight, stronger sun, with the time change this weekend, I do feel like spring is near, which makes me excited for summer because spring, let's be clear, sucks when you're in Vermont. It's really just mud season and it's not very pleasant, but I'm excited for summer to come. I don't so much feel that we're getting back to normal yet, but I see that in the horizon. So I see hope and optimism for the summer. I have not had COVID. I have not been vaccinated. I'm very eager to be vaccinated, but I still feel like it's going to be a bit longer before I get there. So yeah, just trying to ride out the rest of winter. My daughter had a horrible ski accident on Sunday, who's four and broke her clavicle though. So Mm -hmm. that ski season has been cut short. She's doing okay now. So, you know, we can move on, but yeah. There's always something with little kids and I'm glad she's okay. Yeah, completely. What about you, Jim? I know you, unlike the rest of us, you got away on a vacation recently. Yeah. Came back pretty energized or what? Yeah, it felt good. It felt good to leave my house for a change. And it was a little scandalous going, I haven't had COVID and I'm not vaccinated, but I went to Florida for 10 days and down there, apparently they're over COVID because nobody wears masks. Everybody looked at us like we were the freaks because we had masks on, (laughs) even on the golf course. I'd have a buff around my neck and then people say, hey, what's that? It's a a mask. So we don't need to wear that. Like offended almost. I guess it's different, you know, and Texas is wide open now. Different parts of the country treat it so differently. Florida's different. Everybody's outside in the winter and then they're inside because of the heat in the summer. So probably the reverse of what we see here and, and in Vermont. Yeah. So maybe that's some of the justification for how they were acting. But it was nice to get away and to feel normal for a little bit. Yeah. Flying that are both ways the plane was full and I didn't feel unsafe. There were a lot of precautions. We flew JetBlue, but I'd imagine all airlines are pretty safe and didn't feel like I would get sick on the plane. It's kind of incredible to think about a year ago, basically right now is when this whole thing started. Yeah. It's it's pretty crazy. I think today was the day, the 11th of March was the day WHO announced a pandemic. So it is truly a one year anniversary today. Right. Right. Yeah. I could have made that up, but nobody knows any difference. I, for one, would like to meet people, clients and prospects in their offices, in our offices, you know, out for dinner again. So I'm hoping that can happen again at some point (laughs) instead of just Zoom fatigue. Yeah. And you also need to sort of hope that they're going to want to meet with you, though, Peter. That could be the big challenge ahead. I typically visit brokers at least once a quarter or they come up and visit us. And so I've seen one guy in a year. Everybody else has been Zoom. But what's been nice about it is that I get to see the homes of all the guys we do business with and they are incredibly decadent. So that gives me more power to re-rate and move the needle our way. The prime brokers make the most money in this value chain. That's just a fact. And so we're just trying to get a little bit more for our clients. That's our game. That is right. Yes. So we see hope in our world, but Jim, what's the story? Is there hope in the corporate bonds and equity lending market? 
for many reasons, and maybe COVID and working from home exacerbates this, but unbelievably frustrating market for us. We've seen the VIX hanging around in the 20s, which is where we typically, the last five or 10 years, have said we can make some money. But yet the specials seem to be very, very soft. They don't last very long. They're in and out quick and the depth is not there. And it's probably a combination of a number of things, but the COVID, Reddit, GameStop combination is probably the reason that risk on has taken a backseat to risk off. We lend securities. We don't see the shorts, but we see the demand that facilitates those shorts. And it's just, it's not there. We do see GC names staying kind of out for long periods of time, but generally it's the 80-20 rule. We make most of our money on the deep specials and the crowded shorts. And from our perspective, which again is one seat removed from the shorts, it feels like there's a lot of short covering and then people just avoiding potential short squeezes. So it's short term. And that's, I think, last time we chatted, or at least one of the calls we've done with clients, that was our expectation that in the short run, this is going to be more of uh, hedge funds stepping aside and just avoiding seat risk, to be quite honest, when it comes to these highly volatile names that have negative revenue and market values that are multiples of what they probably should be. So does that mean that the bright spots for at least this period of the year are going to be up to any deal names that occur or IPOs (laughs) that occur? I mean, is that, yeah. is that what we're looking at? Like when we look back on these couple months, at least, I know that your crystal ball often is fuzzy and you might not have <laughs> a really long-term accurate view anyway, but let's say this time, you know, later in the year, when we're looking back at this quarter and we're looking at top securities, would you envision that those are those on the list that are deal name or IPO driven names? Or what do you think? Yeah, IPOs, I think for sure. The, the calendar's heavy, a lot of issuance and demand for those monoline names many times. But the M&A are far and few between, so hard to say. But if we have a couple that are some interesting elections, you know, stock deals or stock cash deals, yeah, that would drive revenue. But I think that's pretty accurate, Brooke. Directional shorts is probably not going to drive the book this year. And so generally, that's not a great thing when you're relying on GC trades, new GC trades and structures and IPOs really out of your, you know, it's less controllable in terms of ability to make money. What's going on in the ETF space on the corporate bond side with the typical HYG and JNK type names in terms of demand? Like what's the latest there and how's the corporate bond market look? And then what's it doing with those ETF positions these days? Yeah, I guess I would put corporate bonds in the bright spot category and our balances there are quite high relative to where we had been. Again, that world never gets that special just because of the way it works, but our volumes are there. There's a number of names that are in play and on our top 50 list, which typically doesn't happen. HYG, JNK, the two big benchmarks in the ETF space, in ETF credit space, have fluctuated. We've seen a lot of redemptions and creations happening in the market. And as a result, there are sometimes supply shortages. So rates have gotten deep as deep as 4%, 4.5% on HYG in recent sessions, but then it comes off pretty quick. But I would say that there is a tendency here for folks looking to put positions on on the short side to either use conversions, put, put call combinations, or to use ETFs as opposed to single stock shorts. And again, I blame the kind of GameStop Reddit phenomenon as a reason for that fear in the market. I got a question maybe for both you guys. So given what's going on right now, what should people who sit in our lenders, our client seat, what should they be thinking about as far as making any program adjustments to make more money or be a more attractive lender to the street? 
Is it the same themes that we've been talking about for a long time or are there any new ones? I think the themes are very similar to what they have been now. I mean, they're increasing in intensity perhaps, but the themes are pretty consistent over the past couple of years. I mean, collateral is probably the first thing and looking at how a lender can be more flexible on what they're willing to accept. And then also the depth and breadth of what they're willing to accept. So if they're willing to accept equities, what are the indices that they're willing to do? If they're willing to accept sovereign bonds, how long is that list in terms of countries? What are some of the other variables around that in terms of margining? Are they accepting very pretty standard competitive market levels in terms of collateral margin, or are they more conservative than other lenders might be in a similar position? And does that put them at a disadvantage versus others? So I know that's still a big topic that we continue to review and discuss with those lenders where there still is opportunity to kind of further expand out collateral profiles, both to get them more comfortable and in fairness, as we get more comfortable too in our organization and our support of different collateral types. Jim, do you agree with me though? Do you think that's still a main theme? Yeah. Our clients should be, when it's an easy to borrow market, I think expansion of collateral is probably the best way to make change that would have a positive impact. You kind of grow your market share. But I guess I would also just say we're seeing in the cash side, this shift from long growth to long value. And if that continues, I would just say, make sure your growth funds are enrolled in lending programs because they've been on a bull market for 10 years on the cash side. And if that were to change, you can augment some of that down leg with lending. So just Make sure you have a good look or a view of your entire portfolio. Make sure funds that could potentially have value in a turning market are there to be lent. And it kind of softens the blow of a down market for a lender. Yeah. And then the other thing that softens the blow, if you have a diversified portfolio, maybe Brooke, we should have another podcast on this, but is treasuries. There's some really good opportunities lending treasuries today. And we talked about this in our huddle the other day, which is a monthly get together. So we should maybe do another podcast on treasuries because that's a bright spot as well. Yeah, that's a good point. We should do that. We'll get that team on board. So Jim, what type of portfolios, you know, if you had your magic wand, not that you probably ever picture yourself as a fairy godmother, but I like to think about what I could do if I had a magic wand. If you did, what type of lender portfolio would you be most excited to sort of bring into the program and either put out to auction or put on our discretionary trading desk? Like what sort of, whether it be market or index management style would be the perfect lending portfolio in today's market? And does that differ from what your answer would have been, you know, over the past couple of years? Probably doesn't differ what my answer would be over the last couple of years. When we do estimates, we use aggregated data to come up with those estimates. And for a long time, I've wanted to change that paradigm. It's just very difficult to do. And I think of the world in terms of a nine box grid and the horizontal and vertical axes, you have small, mid and large cap, and you have growth value blend. And so what I'd like to do is, and I think it's less disingenuous than taking a portfolio and putting a value on it today and rolling it forward, but that's how the market works. So we behave in a market, but I think you could look at a portfolio and say, the characteristics, what are they and what does it kick out for utilization and spread for those characteristics? And so to answer your question, I would go small cap and I would go growth. 
And that box would have the highest utilization and the highest spread. And so that's no different than it would be at any other time. It's a market with haves and have nots. If we ask, you ask clients, what can they do to improve lending? You can't tell them to buy IPOs. You either do or you don't buy IPOs. So it's kind of where the chips fall, but all else being equal, I think small cap growth is always your best bet regardless of the market. But Asia had long been a strong spot for us. It's been weak the last two years, particularly the last year with that Korea still having a short sale ban until May. That's probably going to be the same going forward. I still think I like US small cap in the growth space. I think as we go through auctions in the spring, we'll get a better feel for what brokers think as they put bids to portfolios because they've got to pay us for a year on that. So if we see good participation and strong bids year over year, I would say I'm right. And if we don't, I would say I'm wrong. Maybe it's a large cap value. Large cap value is where you might see a lot of the M&A. But again, that's kind of spotty and you can't count on it. I had a marketing idea, Brooke, with Jim's nine box paradigm. Like I know. Small I, cap that's growth. the first I've heard of this. Yeah. Small, small cap growth, kind of upper right, most attractive. And then you have a box with all the different attractive versus less attractive. It'd be a good visual. Yeah, my color just, just color a thought. Get yeah, color creative code. thinking. It, yeah. I don't know if creative thinking or me just lazy. I rather not do estimates all the time. They, they're very time consuming. So if I just had that grid, we could just apply it to each portfolio. And then it saves Jim time, more time to go golfing as opposed to doing yeah. estimates. Yeah. Well, speaking of gym time, we know that you have Villanova that you're anxiously wanting to watch. Yes. The Big East Tournament. So maybe we'll wrap it up there and just call it a day. And thank everyone for tuning in. Hopefully you got something from it, as we hope you do each session. But again, send us your thoughts, feedback, commentary. We appreciate it. And we'll get you next time and hope everyone stays safe and in good spirits. Thanks, Peter. Great. Thanks, guys.